Review podcast where we rate hits by fading out before we fade in. So, whether you're here for the plot or the pot, we'll roll cameras and roll joints and create a pairing experience, both celluloid and cannabinoid in nature. Uh, hey, buds, welcome back. We got another uh, great episode here for you. Uh, it's it, we're continuing on with our alternative holidays specials. Last week we did Batman Returns. I'm sure you guys listened to that. Buds! Woof. It's been a while since I've done that one. But you listen to Batman Returns. Did you watch Batman Returns? It's so good. You gotta watch it. It's <laughs> it's a ton of fun. You'll you'll love it. I I've been you know what I've been doing? I've been reading reviews for it, and it's uh like like lately reviews, like reviews from the year two thousand and on. And they're uh, <laughs> some of them are pretty fun, pretty amazing. Uh, so if you wanna, if yeah, if you wanna have some fun, go on Rotten Tomatoes and start scrolling through who is reviewing Batman Returns right now, cause it's uh, it's a blast. Uh, but we got some more uh, alternative holiday specials, and uh, today we have one of my favorites. Now this is a very obvious one, uh, but it's it's still a good one. So we're doing Die Hard. I have a tradition. I have tried to watch Die Hard every year at least once uh, around December. Uh, and I, I, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a lot of fun for me. <laughs> Die Hard is a 1990-1988 action-adventure movie. It is two hours and 11 minutes long. It's rated R by the MPAA and 14A by the Canadian ratings it's got a rotten tomato rating of 94 percent and a metacritic rating of 72 72 come on perfect movie no it's not a perfect movie but it's a really good movie and we got to enjoy it with uh what was turned out to be a really great product that i hadn't tried before this it's the alvana lemonberry haze live rosin they're a company that's owned by mara cannabis which also does fire and flower uh, retail places. Uh, it's a cross between blueberry and super lemon haze, and it's one of the first uh, live rosin Pax pods to come on the market. And let me tell you, if you haven't experienced live resin carts or live rosin carts, uh, you're missing out. Distillate carts will not get you there. They'll have a higher THC percentage, but it's not going to affect you the way that some of these uh, terpenes and other cannabinoids and flavonoids and plant material plant is a beautiful magical thing and as soon as you start extracting its components you miss out you absolutely miss out so if you want to try something great try the alvana lemonberry haze live rosin pax pod so we got to smoke that we got to well vape that whatever uh and watch one of my favorite holidays movies so uh and then i got to talk about it with a good friend of the show he's been on the show before and you hear his music every time you so, uh, without further ado, let's get to the conversation. Daniel, tell us about who we have on the program today. All right, my next guest has a favorite action movie, and that is The Matrix. 
He has a favorite Christmas movie. That's Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. He has a favorite movie gun, and that is the Boomstick from Army of Darkness. His favorite actor is Nicolas Cage. His favorite actress is Toni Collette. And his least favorite cannabis consumption method is a bong hit because it makes him fucking cough. Please welcome the extremely talented J.J. Thompson to the program. <coughs> J.J., thanks for coming to the show again, buddy. <coughs> Sorry, just took a bong hit. <laughs> hey, Daniel. Hey, bud. Thank you. Hey, I want to talk on the air about thank you so much for your incredible <laughs> theme song remixes. I've really enjoyed the, the Halloween one and the Christmas one. It's oh, been, it was a it's lot. Been so much yeah. fun. You're awesome. It was it was a blast. It was a blast to make that. The Stranger <laughs> Things Let's Bogart. Oh yeah. Theme song. That was Super. really cool. Yeah, it's yeah, cool. No to worries, have... man. Yeah. Hey, have you, do you have any um do you have any stories about being uh being stoned but trying not to let people know that you're stoned? Oh I I think I have plenty. I <laughs> I don't know if this is um, the best example of it, but I was at a concert recently and I went from like, I was so stoned and I was like, Oh, isn't, isn't music just amazing to listen to this stone. It's amazing that I'm this stoned right now. But then as the night progressed and the crowd got more engaged, I got more giggly and I think I started laughing at some pretty inappropriate moments of the set, but <laughs> yeah, that's always the worst the when you have something that strikes you as funny, but it's not a forum where you can share what the thing is that you thought was yeah. funny. It was kind of like the Pez dispenser episode of Seinfeld. Like it, all it took was one little thing to make me lose it. <laughs> uh, you know what? I just watched through Seinfeld for the first time. I there was a bunch of episodes I never saw when it was on, and that that episode was very funny. The clapping, oh, clapping with yes. the I oh, love it's it. so good. Oh my gosh, so funny. Elaine's laugh is just so <laughs> infectious in that episode. Uh, so, buddy, you have been uh, uh, using your new Pax Era. Yes, which loving how, how, and and what what is it about? Uh, what do you like about it? What do you not like about it? It's the first it's the first weed vaporizer mm-hmm. that because I I'm also a vapor of nicotine Got but it. I'm trying to get rid of that habit. Sure. The with this packs with the lowest temperature setting, mm-hmm. I find that I I can almost supplement that constant need to have a little tiny puff here and there, you know. So mm. slowing down on the nicotine vaping this feels a lot like the same draw of uh of my normal vape so yeah. it's helping me quit nice yeah yeah i feel that the pax cartridges of all of the like oil vapors it's it's really allows for a lot of airflow and i never hmm. feel like i'm having to like you know when you get to the end of a milkshake or you're at the start of a milkshake rather and you're you're really having to haul through a straw yes that's what some of the some of the 510 uh uh vaporizer carts kind of feel like because the opening is so small and it's uh i I don't know there's something about the wider mouth on the on the pax pods that make uh uh, airflow seem like it's it's doing double duty 
Yeah, good point. Good point. I've always just loved PAX. You know that. We talked about that on the last episode. I got That's right. PAX 2 dry, dry herb vaporizer. You still liking that? The weed goes a long way in it. Sure does. Yeah. Sure does. And hey, we all need to save a little bit of cash now. Exactly. <laughs> so why not have something that allows you to, to yeah, you get the most no out of your butt. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no wasted money and no wasted beautiful herb from the earth. That's right. Uh, have you been smoking anything uh, uh, interesting since we last talked? Like in the last uh, year or so? I don't know. I, I honestly, I, I know that's a really boring answer, but oh, you know what? You know what I did get into and I think are great are Reddies. Oh, yeah. Which kind of you do it? The Wapa, the Shishka Berry? Um, I've been doing the uh, Cold Creek Kush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they're nice and thin. What are they? Point, point one, zero point three five. Yeah. 0.35 grams. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're great for uh, if you're having a COVID friendly gathering and you want to yeah. share some joints, you pass those around. You say, oh, keep it. Like, even if you don't smoke much, you can have your own. And That's they're right. really cheap, too. So yeah. I like those. There's a bunch of companies that are all trying to do that now. Get on in on the, the uh, pack of 10 pinners. Yeah. There's even a, a company called Pinners that's coming out that's trying to do that exact same thing. Corner that same market. Because, yeah, you're right. COVID-friendly. The most COVID-friendly way that you could distribute cannabis, probably. There's always that one person that says, I just want one puff. So if that's <laughs> true and I don't want to share with you to be safe, you then here's your own. And you can use you can. It'll probably last you a year. <laughs> Yeah, we. You know what? We actually we did Cold Creek Kush on the podcast last week. Oh, which with uh, which uh, movie? Uh, with Batman Returns. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's yeah. cool. It was exciting. It was a very exciting one. And so what's we, the consensus on Cold Creek Kush? Does everyone think that it gets you pretty uh, pretty stoned? Or? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I I honestly for at the price point, I was I was impressed. Uh, uh, I you got don't the, need much. The whole flower. You don't. You don't need a lot. Yeah, and especially with those reddies. Like, uh, it's it's a cool. It was a cool market to have cornered, and seeing how many people are coming to that market to try to play as well means that they were yeah. doing something right. It sells a lot. Amazing, buddy. Well, you came on here because uh, we're doing some pairing up of our own. Yes, we are. Which I'm very excited about. This is a great pairing. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, This is the Havana Lemonberry Haze Live Rosin Pax Pod, which is a a mouthful, but really cool. I uh, uh, so uh, tell me what what do you know about Havana? What do you know about uh, Lemonberry Haze Live Rosin Pax and Pods? Well, when I came to visit you. Mm-hmm. I locked and loaded that thing, and I didn't even look at the package. <laughs> so until I saw the title of the link that you sent me for this podcast, I didn't know what I was smoking, but I was liking it <laughs> very much. Okay, what uh, uh, what were you tasting off of it? Is there any uh, taste that you were getting while you were vaping it? A little bit, a little bit of toasted orange. That's what I kind of get. A little cool. toasted orange, so smoky and citrusy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's for sure some citrus in there. Uh, uh, Lemonberry haze is a cross between blueberry and super lemon haze. Uh, 
I couldn't find a listing of the actual terpenes that are in this particular strain. The the really no, uh, lemonberry haze is uh, not really, I guess, popular on the market right now. So it might be a, a new thing that's coming in from Maris Cannabis. Um, yeah, so, uh, but Super Lemon Haze has, like, caryophylline, terpinoline, humulene, and myrcene, and Blueberry has beta-caryophylline, beta-myrcene, alpha-pinene, in, in various amounts, is sort of the main ones of them. So they share a lot in common with the, the caryophylline, but it's a difference in, yeah, being B-caryophylline and B-myrcene. Uh, so that's kind of cool. I like the uh, caryophylline uh, forward strains in sativas. I really like because they, I feel like they kind of, well, oh, you're a sound guy. So this is, <laughs> I've been trying to explain <laughs> this. I've been trying to explain this to customers at work. And uh, uh, if they don't understand sound, they don't get it. But it's yeah. like putting a high pass on yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? like it's putting like a compressor that's so that all of the 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 kind of gross frequencies that you don't really want past a certain point uh which yes. I feel like I get really bright and anxiousy and sativa y in my in my they in, clash with everything else. Yeah, yeah. They get in the way of of experiencing the other things having like a calm sativa high. And yes. ones that have caryophylline in them really I feel put that uh compressor on it so I'm not feeling any of the the blowing out the bottom or blowing out the top. Yeah, I briefly remember you saying that on one of the other episodes. That's right. But caryophylline. Yeah, it's a good one. And then mercy for something that's kind of really sativa to have so much mercy in it, it is interesting. Um but also, I, I keep learning these things, JJ. I learn, like, like myrcene is one of the most common terpenes in all of the cannabis strains, but that it, ones that are dominant in myrcene tend to be uh, indica. But then I hear, no, that's not actually a thing. He, uh, myrcene, like, appears in a bunch of them now because everything is a hybrid, and, and uh, delineating into sativa hybrid and indica is almost no longer useful. Yeah. In terms of understanding and their effects. And do you do you um, do you kind of push that at the dispensary? Because I still think a lot of people are under the misconception of sativa, energy, anxiety, and then indica is sleepy, lazy. Like, like yeah, kind of. Like I, 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 the thing is, is that in generalities, it it can help people. Like if a person only like some people come in and go, I I only know I smoke weed. Do you have weed here? And so they don't know anything about sativa. What's your indica. answer to that question? Uh, I tell them about sativa and indica because I, I don't think that it's nothing. I think that it's a way of entering into the conversation. It's like if you were teaching somebody uh, sound design, somebody who had never used a uh, garage band before or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you would teach them about tracks right like you wouldn't yeah. jump into okay this is how we're going to uh, uh do this is how we're going to eq the bass yeah, exactly yeah yeah this is how to get rid of some of the mids so that you have some space for your singer or whatever you would you would talk to them at, initially at the bass level and indica and sativa exists because you could see it's more about what you're looking at than what you're actually like feeling in terms of effects or tasting or smelling because sativa looks like like big like uh uh 
dart like cone like uh buds and indica is more bushy like it's got more like like uh popcorny and bushy buds to them so you cool. can see the difference but uh, yeah feeling the difference uh, but it's a way of entering into because because everything is sort of up in the air and you can talk about you know this is what generally people feel it's not necessarily what everyone's going to feel. So even if you tell somebody this is a sativa and therefore it will be energizing, take it home and yeah. you'll be energized. If they smoke it and they don't feel energized, then, yeah. you know, which is also why you can't really talk about at, 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 at dispensary. You can't really talk about this. These are the exact effects that you're going to feel because yeah. it's false advertising. You, you don't know what effects they're going to feel. It's too bad. I wish I wish. I wish it could just be measured and consistent, but that's part of the fun of exploring, right? Exactly. I think there's an art to it, right? There's uh, And yeah. the science is getting better and better each day, and that will help us understand the art better. But there's yeah. still, because it's your endocannabinoid system is your unique endocannabinoid system, these things yep. interact with it in a completely unique way and so you yep. get to discover those things and sort of go like try you get to try a new thing and go oh i didn't like that or i did like that it's like going out to a new restaurant yeah ordering something from your favorite restaurant that you've never had before it's exciting you might not like it it may not be your favorite thing but it'll be a thing yep That's there's exciting. a chance too like your reaction to the same strain could be different depending on what's yeah. going on in your day exactly. or your life yeah. How you consume it, yeah, yep. mm -hmm. totally, yeah. So it's it's interacting with all all sorts of stuff. But I wonder if at some point you'll be able to do like a test on somebody and go, oh, it looks like your endocannabinoid. Well, how do you say it again? Endocannabinoid system. Cannabinoid. I can't say it. Cannabinoid. <laughs> Can how did I do it? Cannabis. I've also heard people call it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cannabinoid. I've also heard people. <laughs> Cannabinoid. That's very funny. <laughs> Not really. That uh, I'm really enjoying that in my head now. I'm thinking. About I know. There's a sketch in there somewhere. There's something. There. Yeah. <laughs> so let me tell you about uh, Mara Cannabis because they own Alvana. Uh, Mara Cannabis, they, uh, they also own Fire and Flower, which is like a, a retailer that's uh, very popular out west um, in the prairies and stuff. They, they're, they have a medical side, they have a retail side, they have a product side, they have a recreational side, and they're also expl they're expanding their business into Germany and Malta. So a lot of places in Canada are looking to be the, the companies that are ready to go when other countries follow suit uh, yeah. in terms of legalizing cannabis and totally. everyone wants to be sort of poised and ready to start business and have all of the facets of business ready to go and through you so that you're making the most money and they're the ones Sound, to do all that yeah. sounds like capitalism to me <laughs> he sure does <laughs> <laughs> so yeah do you know uh, uh what do you know about live rosin like rosin like the is that is that what it's considered uh the... yeah so the, the the thing that we have right now is one of the first that i've seen uh yeah of packs getting into live rosin or live resin uh yep. carts um so, uh, usually what the carts are uh, uh are are just the uh 
like the distillates, which is just like the THC content and the carrier oil. So you yeah. lose out on some of the terpenes and some of the uh, 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 flavonoids and cannabinoids. Ha-ha. Um, yeah, so you, loo- you lose out on some of those because it's just taking the, it's trying to get the biggest concentration of THC, which is how people tend to buy their product right now, right? It's based on THC percentage, which is also yeah. sort of a, uh, a myth, you know? Because yeah. this stuff, it, uh, uh, like, this is, like, I think, like, 60, 60% or something like that, 60% uh, THC, which is, like, yeah. really low. But I feel way higher on this than I do on any of the other Pax Pods that I've gotten that are distillates. It, why is it dark? Why is it so dark? Yeah, that's because of the uh, uh, taking the rest of the plant material. So basically what live rosin is, is uh, the plant is harvested and it's immediately flash frozen. Um, So you you uh, uh, maintain like it doesn't age. So you maintain the monoterpene structure of the terpenes that are involved. You maintain uh, all of the the cannabinoids, all of the the. uh, like THC, uh, THC and CBD, like the genetic material of the plant is so much more contained. And then yes. you apply heat and pressure. Or no, this is an ice bath. This is rosin, not resin. So rosin is then you do kind of like this gentle like ice bath with it that eventually sort of knocks off the good parts of the plant and they start like uh, becoming this sort of like dark gooey ooze. Um, and you do that process uh, a bunch of times. It's really fascinating to watch. You can like look it up on YouTube to watch them do hash rosin. It's really incredible to watch. But definitely want to see that. Yeah, and then you squish it uh, after after you've knocked off all of this stuff. Uh, uh, you squish it together, and it becomes this really concentrated like paste. So they talk about it's yeah the process uh, the uh, yeah WPFF it's whole plant fresh frozen is what the the official designation is and you uh try the trichomes are separated in ice water using a careful agitation process and then they isolate the very specific heads of uh um trichomes Trichomes, uh, yeah, the, the oh, dust man, on the high. outside or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That the last episode all. we did. That's exactly right. And the uh, they only select like 90 to 102, no, 90 to 120 U-sized heads, the only grade selected for their live rosin. So they filter out all these smaller ones and all these, I guess, bigger ones, and they only take the, the, best, the best heads of trichomes or whatever. Natural selection. Yes, indeed. Wow, and then solventless. Uh, so you're not you're not like getting rid of a lot of the you you've gotten rid of a lot of the plant material that doesn't quote unquote matter. You've concentrated yeah. the stuff that you really like, and then now you can uh, uh, without using any kind of solvent like uh, butane or uh, uh, what's the other one? The CO two. Uh, you're able to like get the all of the inf- like all of the genetic information that is in the plant in this live rosin. So now uh, uh, Havana has done that to their lemonberry haze plants and put it in a Pax pod. So it looks a lot darker than the oil that you would get that would only be like, like amber colored. This is like really like almost like cocoa, like really like dark chocolate kind of flavor, uh, not flavor, but uh, uh, consistency to it. 
Uh, color to That's, it. It sounds a lot like, do you know what Rapasso means? No. Tell me about Rapasso. So if I remember this correctly, so there's Rapasso wines are uh, at the end of the winemaking process. Uh-huh. They pass the, the juice through the skin of a much more expensive grape than they made the actual wine with. Oh. So they'll like soak this cheaper wine with um, like an, uh, what do you call it? Like a like Cabernet or something. Sure. Grapes. sure. They'll, they'll take those expensive ones and they'll soak the wine through, uh, through all that so that you get like the, all the qualities of the wine rather than ah. just the juice. Yeah. That sounds like a, a similar thing, I guess. Yeah. A little bit. That's awesome. You oh just don't God. want to leave out an ingredient like that. The skins. It's probably the no, best part. That's part of it. It's all part of it. It's a holistic experience, right? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So I got, yeah, that real like taste of uh, lemon. So that must be coming from like limonene. Uh, berry. There was a, a, there, there was some like earthiness to it too, though, that I really, I got out of it. Yeah, it was it was really like as as far as Pax Pods go, it's the closest to flower taste that I've I've actually gotten. Yeah, definitely. How would you how would you uh, say the effects were? Were you like, uh, uh, yeah, was it uh, uh, euphoric? Was it uh, relaxing? Was it energizing? Was it how was it? Uh, oh, big time relaxing. Big yeah. time relaxing. Yeah, interesting. Like. I couldn't be hyper if I tried. <laughs> uh, do you feel dopey? Like, do you wish that it was less relaxing, more stimulating? No, I think it's a great level. I think it's, uh, yeah, just coasting, coasting along. Amazing. I don't think I could do math. No, no, math would be difficult right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, to be fair to me, math is difficult for me any time of the day, any day. But yeah, right now I think it would be it would be a difficult thing to do. If you had to rate this cannabis experience out of ten, what would you give it? I would give it an eight point five. I like uh, it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah, I'd give it an eight. I really liked it. I really, I think it's the best thing that's uh, uh, come out for PAX yet. I'm very excited that uh, some people are experimenting with this so that we can get some more live rosins and uh, uh, more uh, fully, fully realized uh, uh, strain expressions in our, the PAX pods. In the so vaporizers. The, the 512 cartridges, is it 12? 510. 510, sorry. Yeah. The 510 cartridges, you mm -hmm. buy a little battery, mm -hmm. and then you screw it on. That's right. And those batteries usually end up being 7 to 10 bucks. The uh, packs... Yeah. There's some more expensive ones, too, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The standard one, though, yeah, like, yeah. would be cheap. I'm wondering with the PAX unit, because it's their decently priced unit. Yeah, but, it's like, uh, yeah, the Eras are uh, getting uh, phased out. They've got the new Era Era Life and Era Pro. The Era Pro is like 90 bucks, uh, and the uh, Life is, I think, probably around like 50 or 60. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think the temper the temperature control is a big thing for a yeah. lot of serious pot smokers and like you said with this one, like if you have it on a high setting, it's it's going to burn it. It wouldn't taste as good. Yeah. And the Pro has like the app capability so that you can actually like go in with your phone and like set the temperature that you want it to be at because you want it to be low if you're doing these uh, more concentrate kind of carts. Um, but with the uh, with the era, you have to do this sort of like you shake it because shaking is the way that you communicate with it. You can see the battery life. You can get it to start changing its temperature. But if you yeah. shake it, you take the pod out and then you see it goes like 25 percent, 50 percent, 75 percent and 100 percent. And when it's on the temperature that you want it you place the pod back in and then that sets the temperature. And I, I think that's very cool, but it's, if somebody doesn't know that it's not like very intuitive, no, you wouldn't ever figure it out. So, I yeah. mean, having something that it does connect to your app. However, uh, I think Apple doesn't allow it. Like, uh, they, oh they put a kibosh on it cause they were like, no, we don't want our, our thing associated with cannabis. <sighs> yeah. Bullshit. You can still get to it through a browser. Yeah. in your phone but it's yeah to not be able to have the app capability and functionality really sucks so fucking get it together apple yeah we we support cheap chinese labor but uh, god forbid <laughs> we let stoners set the temperature <laughs> would you uh, w- uh uh this is a little bit steeper of a price point this is uh uh let me see i have it up on the OCS here. Yeah, it's $54.95 for a cartridge. You get 0.5. Um, is that something would you spend that again to be able to have this? I think I would because so far I'm noticing that the yield is just really fair. There's barely there's I've been puffing on this thing for a week and there's not even a little bubble in there. Like it's still completely full. Yeah. Yeah, fair. So yeah, that's what I find with these live res, live rosin uh, uh, carts is that I'll, I'm I'm spending more to get them, but then I'm using less product to get to the place that I want to go. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really great. Amazing. Well, buddy, that brings us to the end of our first segment, which means it's time for our first game. You've played this game before, but it's a game called In It to Minute. In It to Minute. This is the game where you, JJ Thompson, who is the voice of that in a minute, (laughs) (laughs) Um, have exactly 60 seconds to tell us everything that happens in the movie that we did. And that movie is called Die Hard. It is called Die Hard. Uh, so yeah, you've got 60 seconds. Remember, you're looking for a beginning, a middle, and an end. Don't get caught up in the setup. You're gonna want to uh, jet through. Are you ready? Yes. Let's get ready to crumble. I'm just trying to think of a weed pun for rumble. What would be a? Let's get ready to stumble. Stumble. That's good. Let's get ready to stumble. In it to minute and go. Oh, no, that was so, one second. Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to oh, get through. Sorry. Did I do it? No, I did it wrong. Hold on. Let me, let's <laughs> get ready to stumble and go. A New York City cop goes to visit his wife in L.A. He goes to a Christmas party at her work, the Nakatomi Towers. 
But while he's there, terrorists come in and take over the party. So he, one by one, starts saving the day and kills all of them. Wow. You got through it in 20 seconds. It <laughs> <laughs> goes simple here. Do you I messed uh, it up last time? Do you do you want to say anything else? You got another 30 seconds. What what else do you want to say about Die Hard? Um and the terrorists I think are Russian, no, German, Russian? German. 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 Yeah, that makes sense. Um and Alec, Alec Alan Rickman's in it. I can barely speak. I'm so high. This is so good. You got uh, five seconds. There's lots of what? Explosions. Explosions. <laughs> well, speaking about explosions, look at that. You did it. <laughs> All right. Stick around because when we come back, JJ and I are going to talk about one of my favorite movies of all time and my favorite Christmas movie. Die Hard! Right here. Let's Bogart. Thanks for tuning in to the show, buds. I'm just going to interrupt the conversation for a quick second to let you know a little bit about a contest that we have got running at Let's Bogart right now on Instagram. Now, Instagram does not uh, uh, <laughs> condone this this contest or support it. It's not Instagram affiliated, but it's running on Instagram. So, if you want to win a PAX Era Pro. We have got one to give away to one very special Let's Bogart listener. Uh, If you've never had a PAX before, it's great. It's got app connectivity. You can change the the temperatures within a specific degree. So if you've got something like the Elvana Hash Rosin PAX cart, you can target specific terpenes in it. It's convenient. It fits in your pocket. Uh, there are more and more LPs are coming out with PAX pods. It's just, it's a really great investment. And guess what? You don't have to invest anything to get this one. If you want to win a PAX Era Pro, what you need to do is you need to follow at Let's Bogart on Instagram. You need to follow at JJ and his dog. And you need to follow at Daniel Williston. And then under the post for this week's episode, which features JJ Thompson, uh, you need to post what your favorite holiday movie is. So post your favorite holiday movie, tag a friend, every tag gets one entry, and on New Year's Day, we're going to draw a name from that. So if you wanna, uh, if you share it on uh, your story, and tag at Let's Bogart, and at Danny Williston, and at JJ and his dog, you get a bonus entry, and the winning entry is going to be decided on New Year's Day, and we're going to send that out to one lucky winner. So if you want a PAX Era Pro, head on over to at Let's Bogart on Instagram and get involved. The details will be under there. Oh, I'm so excited. I have a PAX Era. I have a PAX Era Pro. I'm loving it. I love it. I have a PAX 3. They're great vaporizers. They they give great customer service. The PAX people really know what's going on right now. So if you want to win one of those, come on over at Let's Bogart on Instagram. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the program. And now back to the show. All right, buddy. Die Hard. 
Yes. Tell me, okay, tell me about what was the first time you remember seeing Die Hard? The, the first time I saw Die Hard, the thing that I remembered most about it, which has be- become kind of like a inside joke with the family, is that it was on, because it was on Superstation uh-huh. back in the day, it was obviously censored uh-huh. for good reason. Mm-hmm. Lots of swearing in this movie. Sure is. But my, yeah, my, my first memory and why I love it so much, and I remember laughing as a, as a eight-year-old kid, was... Yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mr. Falcon. Falcon. Oh God. So. I remember that too. Do you remember on Superstation? I don't I, I don't I know that we we've got like a three year age gap, but we uh do you remember on Superstation that before the movies that they would play, they would sometimes do monkeyed movies? Where they would no, film? What was that? It's it's like a sketch where they would get three like chimps oh. and dress them up in the the costumes of the movie that you're about to watch. So the the Die yes. Hard one, I remember very yeah. I, uh, clearly. He like it's him coming with the gun that's attached to his back, and he's like, yeah. Hi, oh, yeah. and all that. He's like hands up or whatever, yeah. and he yeah. like uh, he tries to like rip the the gun off of his back but because he's got fur he's like ooh ow 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 and they're all like <laughs> they like they oh make them gosh. laugh monkeyed movies that's what we were doing in the 90s that was passing for uh uh entertainment so whatever happened to uh whatever happened to superstation oh you didn't hear about the uh, animal cruelty case <laughs> yeah yikes <laughs> probably <laughs> the amount of ones that they did but i don't know go watch no maybe don't watch them then if no, I want to watch. I'm you gotta, wa- you gotta see, you gotta happy see monkeys. the little happy monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the Die Hard one very specifically. That's awesome. What's another one you remember? Uh, Titanic. There, no, there wasn't a Titanic that I remember. Um, Die Hard was one. Uh, there was an Indiana Jones one. There's like a Raiders of the Lost Ark. There was like a James Bond one. I guess they're all connected to the movies that that I was interested in watching on Superstation. Yeah. <laughs> As a kid. Oh, man. That's so funny. Mr. Falcon. Yeah. Is there a better... Okay. All right. It, it's one thing to come on and be like, oh, you know, you guys, you know, sat down. You couldn't come up with something better than Mr. Falcon. But if we, we have Yippee-Ki-Yay motherfucker, what do we have him say that's better than Mr. Falcon? I would rather just hear uh, the word be cut out a little bit, like they do on the radio. They just cut it out sometimes. That's what they did. On- or even a beep. <laughs> even a beep would be awesome. A beep's more badass. They did it in "Live Free or Die Hard," the fourth one. Uh, yeah. Where he 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 uh, yippee kaye mother, f- and then there's an explosion that happens, so he gets drowned out. So they got a PG thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool too. Ridiculous. Mr. Falcon. Ma, uh, yeah. uh, uh, ma, no. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to. Mountain Felcher. No, that's probably bad, too. You can't get away with that. Mountain. Mountain Flop. 
Fleur. Fleur. This this cannot be good podcasting. <laughs> oh, oh, money sucker. Oh, money sucker. Money sucker. Oh, He's sucking good. all the money he out is. of the Nakatomi Tower. I like He's that. a money sucker. Mother. And it's like an money F sucker. look, but it's and look kind of similar. Welcome to the party, money sucker. Welcome to the party, money sucker. <laughs> No, I don't know what that was. <laughs> oh man, this this uh, good job, Superstation. Way to go, they Superstation! You did it, <laughs> Mr. Falcon. <laughs> Rain Mr. Supreme. Falcon. So, um, do you? Uh, uh, so, uh, when was the first time that you saw Die Hard not uh, from television? Oh, I don't know. I think it was always kind of just around the television. Yeah, but there's. Maybe Spike TV played it at midnight and I finally got to hear those glorious words. But this is one of those this is one of those movies. I think I I think I played the video game before before uh I actually saw the movie too. What was the diehard Oh, the the one for PlayStation? Yes. <gasps> with the three different options. Yeah. There was one where you could time crisis it with your at-home gun. Wow. Uh, there was a parking garage um, uh, level where you could play as Bruce Willis in the parking garage, which never happens in the movie. <laughs> so I was always waiting for it. Where, when's he going to get to the parking garage? <laughs> never did it. And then I can't remember the other. I can't remember the other level, but they were good. It's oh God, it's such a good movie. I love like the. <laughs> Having seen it like a bunch, a bunch of times, um, what I love about the first act, like the first uh, uh, chunk of the movie, is that it it sets up, it does exposition so excellently. Like you never feel like you're getting an exposition dump, but you like yes, you get so much from his conversation on the plane and looking at the stewardess and. The, yeah. the you know finding the driver and him riding up front with the driver like you get so much character and so much yes uh interesting dialogue that's going on that y- so much detail yeah so much detail is getting cramped that in. you think that you think could be possibly pointless but everything everything is, comes back everything has a point yeah everything has a payoff it's just really smart writing coming into the building and learning the geography of the building, like how they show you about the lobby, how they show you about the, uh, uh um, the offices and the, the advanced security measures, uh-huh. the technology, uh-huh. the digital screens with names mm-hmm. that the terrorists can look at That's and right. learn and he can look at. And yeah, it's, it's just really it's well, well constructed. It's well constructed is what it is. And apparently, like, I've never read the book that it's based on, but apparently they, they did away with a lot of this stuff in the book so that they could uh, just make it what it was. But it's, oh, man, it's really, really good. Do you know, do you know of any big differences between the book and the uh, the movie because I know one, but I wonder if which one you know. Oh fuck! Uh, it's something in in uh, it's not it's not the same building. Like it's not a an office building, right? Okay, I, I maybe I don't know that one. Oh okay. What what is the one that you- I knew? I knew that instead of him saving, uh, fighting for his ex wife, he was fighting for his daughter. 
Oh, interesting. That worked in the building and that she got killed. Whoa. And then he went on a, a, like a, a, a revenge rampage. Sure. Okay. So that was a difference. So a little yeah. darker. And maybe not as compelling, I think. Like, uh, no, revenge is, is great and all, but it uh, having the, the danger of, oh, shit, what the fuck are they going to do to Holly? And having yes. that constant need, like, he, he wants to make sure everyone gets out okay, but really, yeah. it's the, the hostages are just stand-ins for his wife, who's down there. Well, and the cool thing about the whole, like, everything that happens... Mm-hmm. It ends up being a major positive for John because I think he was at a point with Holly where their relationship was if if that didn't happen if the terrorists didn't come into that that building what could he have possibly done to prove to her that they were still right for each other Yeah huh? I don't think anything No because he has that scene where he says uh, I she's heard me say I love you a thousand times she never once heard me say I'm sorry and that's what yeah. he needed to say. He needed to apologize to her for the uh, uh, for picking a fight because he didn't have to do that. He could have he could have let it go. he could have let Gennaro go, but he he held on to that and cared about that and decided that that was worth a a stupid fight. And don't we all do that? Don't we all act petty and petulant in stupid situations and not value the real things that we should be valuing? Totally. This movie raised me. <laughs> well, I think, I think, and I think that's interesting. I know that we're jumping all over the place, but th- that part, I think, is really what sets the first Die Hard apart from the, the rest of the sequels. And the thing that the sequels never really were able to nail was that uh, he, uh, he, he really wants to. Uh, make it up to Holly. He really wants to save Holly. He really wants to save his marriage. Yeah. yeah. In the next ones, he's uh, he's he's just a hero. He's just a hero. He's done this before, so don't worry. He's back and he's badder than ever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's not what's what made fucking him interesting. What made him interesting was like uh, pulling the glass out of his feet and and uh, uh, talking to uh, talking to Powell and telling him he yes. You know that he that he uh, that he doesn't think he's gonna make it. That he you know wanting like uh, caring about it. Yeah, he cares. And in the the next ones, he's he's too callous to care. He doesn't. He barely cares about himself. And they always put like it's his daughter, it's his son, it's his whatever. Holly's back in the second one, but the second one doesn't do much with their relationship. It's it's beside the point now. We've already fixed that, so it doesn't matter. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, it just, yeah, it kind of fits in with, like, if you look at, like, the credentials of the directors and the writers of of this, and then you see Die Hard, you see, you know, Predator, great movie, but uh-huh. then you also see, like, a bunch of Stallone movies yeah. that are just exactly what the second and third Die Hards are. That's right. Action movies. And that's what Die Hard had sort of changed in the 80s when it comes out. It Bruce Willis is not Stallone. He's not Schwarzenegger. He's not any of the people who are dominating the action franchises. So Die Hard changes it, but then Bruce Willis learns the wrong lesson and goes on to become Schwarzenegger and Stallone. Yeah. 
And I was like, no, that's not that's not what made him interesting. What made him interesting was that he was funny and he was clumsy and he was uh, uh, sometimes stupid. And uh, it, John McClane is not an expendable. No, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be. Yeah. And it, as soon as Bruce Willis started doing that in his career, his work became less interesting. I think his work is super interesting here. We were talking, me and Kristen were talking while we were watching it. uh, She was saying, what is your favorite Bruce Willis performance? And I thought about like Bonfire of the Vanities. I thought about Death Becomes Her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he, he, when he decides to not do the Bruce Willis thing, he's really interesting. And I think he's really interesting here. He sure was interesting in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, fucking A awesome in that movie too and he was a t- he got to do a tough guy stuff but it, uh, like it's more fun to like watch him <laughs> have to navigate his like it's his explosive anger with this really like tender relationship that he has with his uh, uh the yeah, girl the french he, yeah, yeah the french girl and so you get like this whole thing of him being explode and wanting to explode but not being able to explode and the the tenderness with which he's uh uh interacting with her and the difference between the way he interacts with the cab driver and like uh beating a guy to death in the boxing ring like uh, uh taking on uh uh uh, uh, the gimp and his buddies. <laughs> like, yes, he he's a tough guy, but he's also got this other side. And when you don't, he's have, compassionate yeah. enough to save Ving Rhames. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is surprising and interesting. And I mean, that's I know that that's writing, but I mean, it's also uh, like he has more and more control over the Die Hard movies as they go along, right? Because yeah. <laughs> I, uh, Kevin Smith has that story about. <laughs> about him uh insisting on a thing and he calls the studio and the studio is like bruce we really need you to do this and he goes yeah yeah okay okay so just let me ask you a question um who is your second choice to play john mcclain and they're all like oh (laughs) really yeah and he's like they'll do it and by this afternoon or whatever <laughs> so he has a lot of control going there. So that means that the things that that those movies become interested in are what he was interested in this movie. And I think yeah. that that I don't know takes away a different lesson than I would take away from having watched this movie a bunch of times. Talk to me about Alan Rickman. Oh man, a true thespian, <laughs> truly. Yeah, he was doing yeah. a bunch of theater when they brought him in for this. Yeah. Yeah, he... Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, without Die Hard, there is no Alan Rickman career. I, I like No, in film, screen, yeah. Think. It really launched him in the States in a way that he was able to capitalize on in the yeah. early 90s and stuff. And uh, Always a sad, surprising celebrity death, like, more than uh, that. Yeah, man. It just sucks. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, and he seems so Sad. cool. He seems so uh, down to earth and funny, and uh, yeah. he he took the craft seriously, but he never seemed to take himself seriously. If that makes sense. Yeah. And you get a, a what I was noticing this this watch through was that I I got a lot of the theatricality out of his like the amount of that he's using the frame uh, when he comes in and he speaks to the. Uh, um, the hostages for the first time. You will be witnesses. 
that shit yes was so so theatrical closing the book up changing the pace every choice that he was making was really big yeah but it never felt like over the top it just felt like it it was just interesting it was interesting to watch the whole time does he do you think he comes up in conversation like hans gruber the character do you think he comes up in a lot of conversations about the greatest villains of all time you know, I don't think so. And I think he should. <laughs> I think yeah, he's really fascinating. That's what fascinating. I'm getting at. Uh-huh. I do yeah, I know I, I I don't even think to to bring him up in those, but I I maybe I should cuz he's yeah, fuck, he's interesting. And the movie around him is interesting too. The thing that I love watching Die Hard a bunch is realizing in the uh the the midpoint is when they break through the uh, uh, they break through the safe, the, the, safe. the robbers, yeah. and Ode to Joy plays, and I'm like, yeah. oh, fuck, the director is going, oh, well, this is uh, a high point for the characters that we are following, never mind that yeah. they're the villains, never mind that we yes. haven't really understood what their goal was up until now. But then the joy with which we as the audience experience that makes the relationship that we have with them and with John really interesting. I keep saying the word interesting, but it's it is. It's fascinating. It is. It, yeah, it is. And it's uh, that choice was was very intentional yeah. uh, because. Oh, to joy was also used in the almost an identical scenario uh, in Clockwork Orange, where you're celebrating, uh, you're celebrating with the milkmen. Sure. During Ode to Joy, yeah, yeah. while they're doing something so so terrible, Depraved, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, definitely, it's cool. It's 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 a cool juxtaposition, and it makes the the the. The dynamis, the dynamicism is that a word? Surely not. The dynamics, <laughs> the dynamics of uh, the emotional story that we're going on, the emotional journey, I think, are really uh, up and about. I, I think that having that ode to joy experience makes the meeting of John and Gruber. And you're like, no, don't kill me, please. Yeah. That's his fucking American accent. Oh man, it's so yeah. it's so bad. Um, yeah. But he uh yeah, you you want Gruber when Gruber figures out uh uh, uh the name of the person that he's going to pretend to be Clay or whatever, he oh. you're you're excited for him. You you go, "Oh, you get breathe a sigh of relief that John isn't going to find him out right now." What's the name too cuz it's like Richard also means dick. It's kind of one of those names. Oh. You know how he's like my name's my name's this and it clay like you would say my name is the last name is clay and the first name is oh yeah that's right it is william william yeah bill bill bill, bill clay. yes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. smart smart the relationships even between like having uh having uh john kill the first uh the first terrorist and then send him down with the now a machine gun ho, ho, ho. and what that does to the uh to uh, gruber's henchman like sends him into an absolute blind rage. So now there's tension between uh, uh, Gruber and his lieutenant. Is uh, like a it's that's good writing. That's really good writing. 
It's smart. So good. Yep. There's power dynamics at play. And uh, uh, Holly uh, coming out and uh, uh, becoming the de facto leader and having to negotiate with him and him having a grudging respect for her, not knowing who she is because she says her name is Gennaro. Like, even that, having the Gennaro thing be the thing that set uh, 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 John off in the first place. Like, it's all, like, the information is being used Every piece of that that script is being used by all of the other scenes to make them deeper, to make them more uh, dramatic, to make them more uh, uh, tense. No filler. No filler. No, it's all meat. Fuck filler. Even him, the little details of him, like, yeah, we said that at the at the beginning, getting off the plane and uh, sort of. Uh, looking at the stewardess and looking back over his shoulder and then the uh, passing the uh the porno magazines that are on the walls and like yeah, touching yeah. them for luck yeah he did just such a good judge of character and yeah well yeah it's just really it's because you don't need that doing that didn't no. really like add or take away from if you didn't have it it wouldn't matter but it's one more facet of who John is one more facet of, of, uh, what that dude is like and a less than perfect one. He's not, that's not exactly heroic material. No, you're right. Yeah. He's the anti-hero in the first one, in the first one. Yeah. (laughs) The next one's he just becomes (laughs) the hero and you're like, ah, (laughs) what do we got next? I really like oh some of the blocking I really like too the uh, 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 Carl uh, you know what I noticed I loved this time was uh, uh, he's he's yelling at Carl over the over the uh, walkie talkie and saying uh, to like leave him alone let him be locked in or whatever and Carl without looking puts his hand back and turns off the guy's walkie. Yeah, I was like that's really good camera blocking. It's just that's a good frame. And so it te- tells a lot of story that's going on in that guy's head. And, and yeah, it's efficient, efficient storytelling. Blocking. I'm trying to think of my favorite kind of blocking in it. Well, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, the, the standoff at the end is pretty incredible, too. Having Hans with oh, yeah. Holly and the other dude the rolex John. yeah the rolex watch oh man watch the every yeah, there's just yeah so like physicalized things that all mean something and then uh, mean something else in this scene ah yeah. oh, it's just really cool really fucking cool uh the music is awesome michael Kamen uh was the composer he fucking nailed it with all of the all of the the christmas music and the Ode yep. to Joy stuff. Kept it lighthearted. Oh, man. Kept, yeah, kept it buoyant. So it felt like, even though yeah. it's like terrorists and, you know, all this stuff, it's really like, yeah, it's fun. It's a fun movie. He also, like, his score is a great action movie score, but it's also a great comedy score. Yes. Comedic score. Yeah. Because whenever there is a light moment, you kind of hear, like, when the, when the, uh, the guy downstairs, when... Uh, when the SWAT team's coming in yeah. and he's looking at the candy bars. Yeah. Something in the score there just plays perfectly with the joke. Yeah, or the like the, the when uh, 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 John is about to send the um, 
send the guy tied up down, and then he sees the the garland or whatever that he uh, strings him up in, and the twinkle yeah. in his eye that plays as the music kind of underplays it. Yeah, he's just he's all over that shit. He's finding every moment that he needs to uh, putting drama where or it's when, drama. When Carl like really like looks back quickly, don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carl did a lot of that. He was a ba- a ballet. Uh, he was a, like a ballerino. Yeah, I know. I saw that. That's cool. So fucking cool. And he kind of moves like a ballet dancer. Very. Yeah, he looks like a like he just most of his roles have started with Prince. Prince something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks like a prince. Well, there's just like sharp movements and sharp uh, emotion. Oh. Never dizzy. Always spotting. Always spotting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my fa- I, I've been going back and forth. Do you have a favorite line from the movie? Uh, I like the, the one that... Uh, oh, fuck, how's it go? He's like... Uh, what does he say? Come to the coast. We'll, we'll get together. <laughs> have a few drinks. Yeah, have a few laughs. <laughs> have a few laughs. Whatever it is, I love that part. That's great, great delivery. And uh, oh no, number one is uh, uh, what's it sound like, lady? I'm ordering a fucking pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. His fucking take of that is incredible. You don't even see him. Yeah, it's all just his voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? I, the one that struck me this time that I wrote down that I was like, oh, this line is so good. And again, not necessary at all, but really super funny. Uh, was uh, the guy gets up, the FBI agent gets on the phone and he goes, this is Agent Johnson. No, the other one. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that is just, I don't know, that's, that, that's fucking comedy to me. <laughs> I fucking yeah. love that shit. This is Agent Johnson. Johnson, this is Johnson Agent Johnson. Johnson. No relation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love those guys. John McTiernan was the director. He's so fucking good. I was anything else that he did, um, like on this level? Because well, Die Hard is he such d- a yeah. Like, a, did he direct Predator? Or? Uh, yeah, he directed Predator. I don't. I honestly, I though I love Predator, I don't think that it's an especially like tight movie or anything. Like, uh, not in the way that this is. Like. You yeah. could you could teach a screenwriting class using Die Hard. I don't know that you could with Predator. I don't know that there's enough there. I think uh, sci-fi world building, sure. Sci-fi, yeah. sure. Action, yeah. But like, do you care about any of the characters in Predator, really? I think it's just I think the Commando movies were so popular. Sure. So to see a Commando fighting an alien like yeah. Predator, I think that I think that was a pretty cool thing for them to do. Yeah, cool movie. Uh, yeah, cool movie. If not a like a yeah, yeah, cool movie. Yeah, it's a cool. Movie it's like I mean, the guys. If you're the guy that directed Die Hard and Predator, you're you're yeah, doing you're doing all right. Hunt for the but, Red uh, October, he did as well, which is a, a pretty yeah. great movie. But again, I think that Die Hard is that that high water last action hero he did. Oh my god, I love that. Movie. I love that movie. Yeah. The comic book yeah. one. Really, see, so good. You know what? All of these movies have a really great pitch to them. Like you yeah. can see why, with an elevator pitch, you would be able to greenlight a lot of these movies. Oh yeah, 
But yeah, I uh, yeah, and he even did the other uh, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, which is my second favorite Die Hard movie, but uh, not by a long yeah. shot, right? Like, yeah, he's uh, yeah, he really crafted something with this one. He did, really did it. Action, comedy, romance, tension, yeah, robbers, yeah. And was this his? Uh... Wait, which came first, Predator or Die Hard? Predator came. So he he oh, is okay. off the back of the success of Predator gets Die Hard. Yeah. What makes to you what what makes this a good Christmas movie, Die Hard? I think that it has most of the elements you need to be a Christmas movie. Most of them. Uh yeah, like it's at a Christmas party. Uh-huh. There's Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the kind of family values plot veneer of a plot. Like it's just like I think it's got it. I think it's got all the elements of a good Christmas movie. Yeah, uh, minus like Santa and elves and all that kind of stuff. Well, but there's a Santa hat that gets put on the guy, right? Isn't there? Oh yeah, ho 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 yeah. ho ho. That's a Christmas sweater, so that's something. Yeah, I. That's I, not like a literal Christmas movie, like uh, the Santa Claus. But it could be just as Christmas as Home Alone. Sure. Yeah, like I yeah I guess I do think about uh, Home Alone being a very specific Christmas movie, and this this movie you could watch in the summer and still be, enjoy it. But I think that there's... Okay, you know what makes it a Christmas movie for me is this. What you have in the first Die Hard that you lose later on in the sequels is that you really want John to to save Holly. Yeah. And I think that being at the crux of the, the center of the movie, like, we, that's what our protagonist wants and therefore we want him to get it. And we don't know whether he will because the odds are seriously stacked against him. Yeah. Um, have watching it at Christmas time makes it brings the family uh feeling of that really into focus. I think yeah. we are thinking about our communities, are thinking about our families and our uh our loved ones and getting together. Like getting together at the holidays is such a an important part of it, right? Yeah, and also like overcoming and maybe seeing past some flaws in your family yeah, cause just to make it through the season because that's the time of the year. That's right. I think that there's, yeah, I think if John McClane can um, not only uh, uh, foil a terrorist uh, robber's plot, <laughs> um, <laughs> stand up to how many terrorists start out, like 10 or 11? Um yeah. beat them all with nothing more than just his grit. Not only is he able to survive getting hunted through Nakatomi Plaza and the explosions and the military coming in and and, and, and a building falling they on also, The military also turns on him yeah. and tries to kill him. Yeah. So not only can he make get past that, but he's able to learn to say that he's sorry. And yeah. if John can accomplish all of that over the course of Die Hard, surely we should be able to deal with, you know, Grandpa. Your weird uncle. Grandpa, yeah, your weird uncle cutting the turkey wrong. <laughs> like, it, it, yeah. it should be fine. 
Yeah. That one that one relative that talks about Trump, but they don't even live in the U.S., so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> so they never voted for him, but they still support yeah. him, quote unquote. But they would have. They would have. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's difficult to deal with. But if you think to yourself, like, what would John do in this situation? Like, he'd have a wisecrack. He'd, he'd uh, uh, come up with a, a, a plan that's sort of left of center that they, no one could um, predict. Uh, and he, yeah. would, he would persevere, even if the uh, yeah. circumstances were difficult. I think all of those things are great lessons to learn. Christmas stories tend to be, like, lessons. Yeah, any yes. any movies, uh, hopefully, if your character is dynamic. Then... Lessons of moral fiber. Exactly, exactly. That's why we're we're engaging with stories often, is to not only be entertained, but also to, to think about uh, what we value in life. And I think yeah. Die Hard does that. I, Die Hard creates a really great crucible with which to uh, examine what matters most. Yeah. For John, and therefore for us. Yeah, it's nice to have a movie where you feel like it's, you know, you're not, oh, I'm not wasting my time rotting my brain watching television. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're, you're watching true art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I could only convince my dad of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, buddy. Well, that brings us to the end of our second segment, which means it's time for our last game. You ready for this? Yes, please. So we've already done Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness! So we're going to do something a little different. We are going to do an online diehard quiz right now with you. Oh, no. Yeah, it's going to be so good. You're going to do great. I swear I don't have a cheat sheet either. You've never seen this before. We didn't talk about this beforehand. You're being completely surprised by it. Right? I hope I do okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, I, I will be surprised by it. <laughs> it starts out real easy, but it gets it, it gets harder from there. So you ready to go with this? This is Reefer Madness. Reefer Madness. Madness. <laughs> All right. Question number the first. What does John McClane do for a living? New York City police officer. That is right. We're going to reveal it. It is correct. What is John McClane's catchphrase? Yippee-ki-yay, mother. Beep. That's right. Who, number three, who is the villain in Die Hard 4? I'll give you, uh, okay, so it's, uh, uh, the names are Jan Gruber, Colonel Stewart, Thomas Gabriel, or Simon Petrakis. Patrickus. One more time. Jan Gruber, Colonel okay. Stewart, Thomas yeah. Gabriel, or Simon Patrickus? I'm going to go with the second one. Colonel, Colonel Stewart. Something. Reveal. Oh, it's wrong. It's wrong. Oh. It was hacker Thomas Gabriel. Thomas Gabriel. Was it Timothy Oliphant? It sure was, yeah. Oh, okay. I, I would have known that part. Sure. The actor. Oh, sure you would have. Tell me the answers to questions I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. What was Samuel L. Jackson's diehard character called? Was it Apollo, Mars, Zeus, or Poseidon? Oh, this isn't just diehard one trivia. No, it's Come all the whole on. series, my friend. I should have watched them. 
I'm gonna go with Zeus. Zeus is correct! Woo! Number five, name the building the first Die Hard took place in. Nakatomi Towers. Oh, it's actually tower. Nakatomi Plaza, my friend. Oh, Plaza. Oh. Yeah. oh, I'm so sorry. Number six, name the chauffeur sent to pick up John McClane in Die Hard. Oh, no. You can get multiple choice if you want. Okay, yeah, multiple choice. All right. Number one, Moray, Argyle, Angus, or Fife? Argyle, final answer. Yeah, Argyle. Number seven, Die Hard 4 takes place on which day? New Year's Day, John McClane's birthday, Thanksgiving, or Independence Day? I don't remember this one at all. This is the one with Thomas Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very illuminating. Let's go with Independence Day. Independence Day? It was Independence Day! Ah, perfect. Number eight. How is hacker Frederick Kaludis better known? Warlock, Wizard, Weasel, or Walter? Warlock. It is Warlock. That's Kevin Smith, right? That is Kevin Smith, yeah. <laughs> ah, I remember that part. Yeah, man. Number nine. Where is Die Hard with a Vengeance set? New York City. New York. It is New York. Woo. Number 10. Die Hard 2 takes place how long after Die Hard? gonna say one year it is one year <laughs> number 11 in die hard how does mclean get the attention of sergeant al powell he throws a body on his car he sure fucking does number 12 who was the villain in die hard with a Welcome vengeance to the party pal <laughs> <laughs> sorry i love that line I say that all the time. Some people know yeah. what I'm talking about, but most people do. When you have parties? No. no. I never say it when I have parties. With your pals? I specifically, I specifically save it for times that I am not partying. <laughs> Number 12. Who is the villain in Die Hard with a Vengeance? Was it Simon Patrickus? Was it Thomas Gabriel? Was it Simon Gruber? Or was it Colonel Stewart? I'm going to say it was Simon Patrickas. Oh, that is incorrect, my friend. It was oh, Simon no. Gruber. Oh, it was Gruber again? Yeah, it was his brother. In Vengeance? Yeah. Uh, and in this Not Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber is dead. But Simon, I know that. Simon Gruber, his little brother, comes out of hiding to torture John And in McClane. the second one, and in the second one, the villain is... Isn't he kind of related to the colonel? Uh, is that the whole quiz? Is he really? No, 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 no. no. We're, we're on question 13. I'm just trying to remember. He No, I don't think he was in Die Hard 2. He wasn't related to anyone from Die Hard 1, Mis right? Mr. Falcon. Oh, he was related to Mr. Falcon. I see. Yes. <laughs> uh, question 13. Who played the villain in Die Hard with a Vengeance? You want some uh, multiple choice? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Sir Anthony Hopkins, Colin Firth, Hugh Grant, or Jeremy Irons? Oh, Jeremy Irons. It was fucking Jeremy Irons. Simon says. Number 14, in which year was Die Hard released? I might need multiple choice. All right. 1994, 1992, 1990, or 1988? 88. Boom. It was 88. Die Hard 2 takes place in an airport close to which city? Is it Seattle, Warrington, Washington, D.C., or Dallas? Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. I feel like it's either... Can I do a 50-50 on this one? Yeah, absolutely. Can I use that? Did I? Yeah. So uh, was it Warrington or was it Washington, D.C.? I hope it's... Oh, but they were near that little cabin thing, the church. Ah. That seems very Warrington. But terrorists taking over planes seems very Washington, D.C. I'm going to go with Warrington. It is not, my friend. It's Washington, D.C. I'm so sorry. You were so close. I don't even know what Warrington is. (laughs) I was rooting for it. Uh, Yeah. Maybe the next Die Hard will be set there. (laughs) Number 16. The first Die Hard movie takes place on which day? Is it Christmas Uh, Eve, Halloween, May Day, Bank Holiday, or Good Friday? (laughs) (laughs) This this quiz is getting... It gets... uh, so specific about some things and then it's like very very general about other things once you feel like you're doing well so yeah christmas it's christmas Christmas, yeah whatever number 17 what game did simon gruber want police to play in die hard with a vengeance he wanted police to play a game Mm -hmm. i said it earlier in our conversation Oh no! Oh no! Games. Do you want four? Uh, do you want a, a, a sure four options? Sure. T- Twister, hopscotch, Sudoku, Sudo- Sudoku. Su- How do you say <laughs> that? Sudoku, or Simon Says. You said one of these. I sure did. Yeah, I did a terrible German action. It wasn't. Is it Sudoku? Sudoku? Sudoku. Su- Sudoku. Oh, they, they spelled it wrong. Because they spelled it S-U-D-U-K-O. I'm assuming it's a Simon Says. Yeah, it's Simon Says. Yeah. <laughs> Number 18. What is the name of John McClane's wife? Holly. It is Holly. Janelle. Yeah. Who heads up the terrorists in Die Hard 2? What's that? Who heads up the terrorists in Die Hard 2? Was it Colonel Mustard? Was it <laughs> Colonel Simon? Was it Colonel Saunders? Or Colonel Stewart? Oh no, this is obviously one that was said too. Mm-hmm. Colonel Stewart. Oh man, I don't know. Sam again, the, the S's. Colonel Mustard. Colonel Simon. Colonel, Colonel Saunders? Or Colonel Stewart? 
Uh, Stuart. It is Stuart. And this is the last. Black on the board. The last one. What is the name of John McClane's daughter? Was it Lucy? Was it Sally? Was it Katie? Or was it Honey? Lucy. It is Lucy, which Yay. means you got uh, 80% of them. So you win. You won <sighs> at Reefer Madness. How do you feel? I feel euphoric. As you should. Yes. Something else that you can get from the lemonberry uh, haze from Havana. All right, well, stick around because when we come back, we are going to puff or pass on Die Hard. Guess which one it's going to be? Who can tell? All right, buddy, this is uh, Puffer Pass time. You Puffer Pass on Die Hard. Puffer Pass. Puff, puff, puff. Puff, puff, puff. Love me some fucking yeah. Die Hard. Are you. Yep. Okay, you asked me before that we started recording. Uh, it was an interesting question. You asked me, um, now that I've watched it, am I going to watch it again around Christmas? And I don't yeah. think I am. I think I'm going to watch a bunch of other Christmas movies and uh, uh, stuff. But are you going to watch it again before Christmas? Yes, I definitely will. I yeah. almost watched it a second time today. I, I watched it a few days ago, and <laughs> I almost watched it again again today. It's really good. I think it is one of my, like, you know, if if I was to be tortured with a movie, yeah. played over and over again, I think I'd last a week or two with Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, amen. I would, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's got a lot what, of what rewatch. what movie would absolutely send you on a spiral if you had to watch it multiple times in a row? Requiem like for a dream. Be... Yeah. Oh my god, what a good answer. Yeah, absolutely not. No. That's really good. Or like um uh what was the other one? Uh I, I, I have seen it multiple times, but I would not be able to watch it very near each other, and that is Martyrs. One of my favorite horror movies, but Oh man. Would never be able to do that yeah. multiple times. It's too much. Yeah, that makes me. I, I was almost thinking that's a. Those are really good answers. I was thinking like a movie that's so painful to watch because it's like um, House of the Dead bad. Oh, I that see. If yeah, you had yeah. to watch it like two times in a row, you would be like, "Oh my god, please turn it off." Yeah, I give up. Now. Here's all the here's all the documents. Maybe like um, <laughs> Ghost Rider. With Nicolas Cage. My boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some Nicolas Cage. I'll watch a Nicolas Cage oh, movie. But, oh, my yeah. God, that first Ghost Rider. I'll, you know what? Everyone hated the second one, too, and so did I. But yeah. uh, the uh, Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance was much closer in tone to what a Nicolas Cage demon superhero movie should feel like. Is it good? No. But that first one was just awful. Oh, it was awful. The thing that is so cool to me about Nicolas Cage, yeah, and also kind of the same with Bruce Willis, mm-hmm. is that they, they're they both known as the fucking actors that are in terrible flicks. Like, they, they yeah. take the roast of Bruce Willis and the roast of Nicolas Cage. <laughs> the same joke would be said. They take every movie, everything that's offered at them. They'll just yeah. do it. But I also think that as we see what Nicolas Cage is doing lately, like Pig, 
Yeah, man. You heard of that one? Did you watch it? I haven't yet. It's on my list. So you see that and you go, okay, so so he obviously had this part in this this point in his career where he was doing a bunch of really almost B movies. Yeah. And now he's in this pig movie, which could very well be his next Oscar nomination. Yeah. Maybe Bruce Willis is gonna do the same thing. He's he's no. he's only in stinkers. He's only maybe he'll come back. Now. But well, maybe he, he's got such a longevity, like like the longevity in his yeah. career is so long yeah. that this is just a stage that one day we're going to look at him and we're going to be like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I mean, maybe. I think that Nicolas Cage does a lot of movies and a lot of terrible movies because they'll pay him and he <laughs> like spent all of his money. He's, he's always in debt. Um, but Bruce Willis... Uh, has gotten a reputation it's for... It's those plugs he had to get for his hair. <laughs> they're, they're expensive. They're expensive. That hairline uh, does not come cheap, my friend. <laughs> no, uh, but Bruce Willis uh, uh, just shaved it off, so he doesn't know anything. No, but he takes all these movies <laughs> because he's uh, like uh, he's become difficult to work with, right? Like, what's the last thing that Bruce Willis was in that was like a, a, a not even an Oscar contender, but just like a major motion picture Looper. release. Looper, which right. was a long time ago. Yeah, long time ago. It, and even that was uh, apparently <laughs> the stories of the set are difficult. A process. Yeah, a real process working with him. So yeah. I think that it's less to do with uh, needing the money and more to do with who's who's left, who's going to work with you. You have to go on to productions that they're like, oh my God, we got Bruce Willis of all people. Yeah. Imagine if the the story of uh, Looper and Bruce Willis being difficult was actually they were going to do like a Gemini Man type movie with Bruce Willis where they CGI'd a younger version on him acting as a younger version. Like but then eventually they're like, we can, you know what? We got to cut this fucking thing in half. Let's yeah. get Joseph Gordon-Levitt in Absolutely. here and we'll give him a fake chin. Bruce, you only have to come in for like five days. We'll get you out of here just as quick as possible, buddy. You just got to yeah. come to set at the right time and get into there. Just and hold and, the shotgun and grumble a bit uh, for us. Tell, if you want some rewrites, that's fine. But just like tell us before the day of. Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Are there any other uh, Christmas movie, like uh, Christmas movie um uh, traditions that you have. Is there, is there other, another movie that you're excited to watch around the holidays? I like, I mean, there's all Christmas vacation is a ah, must uh-huh. around the holidays in my, in my house for sure. Definitely. The, the Chevy chase another, it's funny, eh? Like the iconic Christmas male leads are the people that are very most hard to work, to work with. with. Bruce Willis. <laughs> but, uh, the one movie that has kind of nothing to do with Christmas for wow. I, I I would just the normal person would be uh, I really like watching Terminator 2 Ooh. because wh- our first DVD player was for Christmas. And the first DVD we got was Judgment Day. Oh, that's so cool. With this really cool chrome DVD slip. That ah, it came out yeah. of. Yeah, I remember that. And then, I had that. And then our first DVD we watched in our in our basement on our 30 inch television back then <laughs> was T2, and with our brand new DVD player, and it was amazing. Oh, the sound so cool. system was going. Yeah. That movie's so, incredible. I love that movie so much. My dad. That was the first rated R movie that my dad ever bought my brother and I. 
It really? was very exciting. We were so young, and he bought it for us on VHS. It had that amazing, like, cool blue uh, uh, a picture of uh, Schwarzenegger on the bike. Oh, fuck, yes. it was so cool. We wore that yeah. tape out. We went on vacation. Bobby and I just sat around just watching it over and over and over again. Yeah. Incredible film. Well, James amazing. Cameron. Yeah, James Cameron can direct a film. Oh. Could talk about any of his movies for a whole podcast. Yeah, episode. man. <laughs> All right, buddy. Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Where can people uh, find you, and what should they be paying attention to? That's a good question. Well, we uh, JJ and the Pillars. Uh, we uh, recently released some new music, a new song called it's, "Ink in the Ash." It's so great. I'd love for people to check that out. That'd yeah. be great. Check that out on Apple Music or uh, YouTube. Sweet. Yeah, it's a great tune. It's so it's so fucking good, buddy. Thanks, very, man. Very cool to hear your uh, electronic influences and the the uh, realness of the acoustic sound uh, melded together. It's so it's so awesome. That's yeah, a fun little mix. Sure is. All right, buddy. Well, thanks for being on the show. Awesome, man. So uh, so much fun spending time with you tonight. Yeah, fun spending time with you too. That's the end. We've made it. We made it. How about those Havana Packs pods? Let me tell you, that live roster packs pod, it uh, it stunted me a little bit. I was very high for the recording of this, <laughs> which I only discovered uh, upon listening to it later. But uh, I had a great time. I had a great time hanging out with my good friend JJ. If you want to follow him, just follow him at JJ and his dog on Instagram. Uh, you can find his, his Twitter and uh, JJ and the Pillars is on Instagram as well. You should follow them. They came out with their new single. You've got to listen to it. It's so cool. It's like the, it's, I've talked about it before, but it's the, the, the combination of the very uh, uh, real and, and rustic uh, acoustic guitar led folk and uh, electronic drums is a really cool combination. Very different for them. So I, yeah, I'm really excited about it. You've got to go check out their new single it's so good uh you can follow me at daniel williston on instagram you can follow the podcast at let's bogart on instagram twitter and uh uh what's the other one tiktok <laughs> um thanks for tuning in to the show i hope you guys uh, oh i'm doing it again but i'm hoping you buds have a, a, a great time this holiday season we're coming right up on uh christmas day Coming soon. Next week. Oh my God. What a time to be alive. So stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Uh, uh, wear a mask for God's sake. <laughs> and uh, I'll see you next week when we bogart once more. But my, yeah, my my first memory and why I love it so much, and I remember laughing as a as a eight year old kid was. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> <laughs>